0: Good morning. morning. Obviously, we're starting a brand new series today. We'll talk about that in just a minute. I want to tell you a little story today about the big animals in the forest who wanted to have a football game with the little animals in the forest. Now, you thought that was weird when you hear this story. So the big animals are like, let's play some football. Let's see who's best at football. And, um, you know, the elephant was blocking. The little guys couldn't do anything to stop them. The elephant was blocking, the rhinoceros was running the ball, the gorilla was catching passes with his feet and his hands, and so the little animals just couldn't get anywhere. They, just, they, just, uh, they were just getting blown out. So in the second half, the, um, the big animals got the ball first, and so they're running the ball again. They think they're going to run all over the little, little animals just like they did in the first half rhinoceros is running the ball, elephants blocking, and all of a sudden, in the backfield, the rhinoceros gets tackled for a five-yard loss. And somebody goes, man, who who was that? You know, the squirrel was asking, who who in the world was that? And the centipede said, "I, I took him out. It was me, I tackled him. So then the the big animals, they get back together in the huddle, and they're they're devising a plan. And so this time they're going to do a sweep on the left side. They hand the ball to the gorilla. They know they're going to gain some yards this time because they were killing them in the first half. But again, eight yards in the backfield, gorilla gets tackled just like that. And everybody goes, what in the world is going on? Who made that tackle? Centipede goes, it's me. I did it. They're like, man, great hit, great hit. So, after a few more plays like that, and the big animals keep getting tackled in the backfield, they keep losing yards, somebody speaks up. I think it was the rabbit who said, Hey, Centipede, can I ask you a question? Where were you in the first half? He said, Mouse putting my shoes on. <laughs> so, hey, it don't get no better than that. That's the funniest joke I got today. So everybody knows if you're going to win, if you're going to be victorious, if you're going to be an overcomer, you got to gear up, gear up baby. you got to gear up. Get ready to fight. And the reason we need to gear up is because there is so much at stake. There's so much at stake. Uh, no time to play. No time to fake. No time to... Um, put on a christian facade and pretend to be committed it's time to get sold out every athlete knows every soldier especially knows that before the game is on before the battle begins for maximum impact and effectiveness you got to gear up you got to gear up gearing up is not an option today is the first sermon of a five sermon series called gear up and we're going to be talking about the armor of God the hashtag for this series is hashtag so much at stake so much at stake if you want the sermon notes from this series or one of the sermons or whatever this is your email address that you use to get the sermon notes we appreciate those of you who are writing in for those and we're happy to send them out only ten dollars per copy i'm kidding they're free so let's begin. I am thankful today to be a child of God. Are you, are you thankful that you're a child of God, thankful to be a Christian? Absolutely, yeah. Man, I got to tell you. I like what one preacher said about that. He said, I would serve God because it is such an awesome life. I would serve God if there were no hell or no heaven. I would still serve God. Even, at the, even if at the end of this life it was like turning off a light switch, I would still serve serve God because I love living the life of a believer. But here's what we have to understand. We have a lot working against us as we attempt to live a victorious life in this world, a victorious life for God, a victorious Christian life. There are two battles, and I want to talk about those very quickly. There are two battles that you're going to fight all the time. There is an internal battle and there is an external battle. Let's talk first about the internal battle. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, and we talk about this all the time here at the bridge because it's important that you know this. It's important that you understand this, not just this morning while I'm talking about it, but every single day of your life, it is important that you understand that this is a constant battle for you, that internal battle, that we, though we've been saved, and and this message is a message to believers primarily, but it's a message to all of you. If you're here today and you're not yet a believer, please listen to the message today and say, God, what are you saying to me out of this sermon, out of what Pastor Farrell is talking about, out of this sermon series. So whether you're a believer or not a believer, you're going to gain something from this if you open your heart. When we came to Christ, we were converted. Our heart was converted. Uh, To use old language, our soul was saved. We were saved. But we have a body, even though we've been converted to Christ, we have a body that's not yet been redeemed. We have a body that has not yet been converted, and so we have certain impulses, this body does, that we still struggle with. We love Jesus, our mind, our heart, we love Jesus, we've given our life to Jesus, but we still battle temptation. And we still feel this old body, Paul called it the old man, the sin nature, We feel this body pulling us away from God and the spirit of God in us pulling us toward God. Anybody feel that? You feel that every day of your life? And so Paul talked about it. How many of y'all think Paul? He's a pretty good Christian, huh? Paul talked about it in his own life. Paul said, I don't do what I should do. He said, and then I end up not doing or I end up doing what I shouldn't do. I don't do the things I really want to do in my heart because my body pulls me away. And then I end up doing things I know I shouldn't do. And so Paul talks about that struggle so clearly. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Paul wrote this book. And it is to a church in a city called Galatia. And that's why it's called the book of Galatians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to this church. And this, this verse here really describes what I'm talking about today. So important that you understand this. The sinful nature... That is inside of us, whether we are a believer or not, whether we are a follower of Jesus or not, we have a sinful nature, and it wants to do what? It wants to do evil. You know, I talk about this all the time. Hosea said we are bent toward evil. We're not bent toward good, we're bent toward evil. We need a Redeemer, we need a Savior so this sinful nature wants to do evil. it's inside of us, which is just the opposite of what the what? Holy Spirit wants, because that's a capital S, so Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires. So, so we got this sinful nature giving us desires. we got this spiritual nature, if you know Christ. we got this Holy Spirit in us giving us other desires. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Somebody say amen. Isn't that the truth? I know that battle. You do too. Y'all look real holy, but I know you know all about it. These two forces are what? How often? Constantly. So let me just go ahead and tell you, set you free. If you got the idea that before you get to heaven, you're going to win this battle and never and be done with it, you're never going to be done with it. You're going to always battle as long as you live in this world. Here's what you need to understand, though. Don't let the enemy put you under condemnation and tell you that temptation is a sin. Can I tell you temptation is not a sin? Because we're all tempted. Who else was tempted? Jesus was tempted. And the Bible says he was tempted, but he what? Didn't sin. So you can be tempted without sinning. How many of you? (laughs) That's good news for you right here today. (laughs) That is good news for you. That temptation's not a sin. Because we're tempted every day. We're tempted every single day. So these two forces, the Holy Spirit that's in you because you're a Christian, the sinful nature that's in you because you were born of Adam, These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free. When will we be free? When we get to heaven, we'll be free. So that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So that's that internal. Now let's look at the external. And the external is um, the schemes of Satan, the devices of the devil, the tricks, the, you know, Satan knows we have that sinful nature, so he plays off that. He comes at us knowing we have this in us, and he tempts us, and he puts things in our path, and he shows things to us, and he says things to us to get us to give in to that sinful nature. So that's the external battle that we have. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 4.27, it says, do not give the devil an opportunity. That's a scripture in your Bible. That's a word for you. That's a word for somebody here today. Don't give an opportunity. Don't, don't give an open door. Be careful about that. Um, and that brings us to our text. So let's go to our text, and here's the text of the sermon, Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read the first three verses of our text, make a couple of comments, and then we're going to read the rest of our text. So Paul says, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, and he, this is a letter as well. It's an epistle, which is a letter. He wrote it to the church at Ephesus. So that's why this book is called Ephesians, okay? So Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, and this is a word to us. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the bridge. He's talking to people who follow Christ. This is a command. He says, finally, what? Be strong, how? Now, if, he, if that's a command from the Word of God, let me ask you a question. Would God ever command you to do something you can't do? No, no. You can be strong. It's up to you whether you want to be a weak Christian or a strong Christian. And he says here, if you want to live in victory, if you want to enjoy your walk with Christ, then be strong. But the only way you can be strong is not by willpower. You are only strong in the Lord in your relationship with him, in your intimacy with him, in your knowledge of the word of God, and we'll get into more of that later. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not your might. The Old Testament prophet said, It is not by my might, it is not by my power, but it is by his spirit, saith the Lord. And then he says in verse 11, here we go, boom, here it is, bam, here it is. Put on the full armor of God, and then he's going to tell us why. So that you will be made able, because you're not able apart from God. You will be enabled, you will be made able to what? Against what? Okay, so very, very important. Look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against our neighbor. Our struggle is not against a family member. Our struggle is not against our wife, our husband. The struggle we have is not flesh and blood. Doesn't doesn't mean the struggle we have is not our flesh and blood. It is our flesh and blood. What it's saying here is our struggle is not people. That's what that's what we want to focus on is my bad. Boy, you know, have you ever heard somebody say, man, I love church if it just wasn't for the people? Hey, listen, your your struggle is not with people. Man, I'm glad y'all aren't sitting up here close because I'm doing a lot of spitting this morning. For our struggle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. So you're struggling with people and what that is, and you're very unhappy, and you keep pointing at that guy and that gal and that guy and that gal, and they're my problem, and they're the reason, and they're not. Your struggle is internal, your own sin nature, and external, Satan using that and working in that. Are y'all with me? For our struggle is not against other people, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's a spiritual battle. If you're not freaked out yet by anything that's happened in church today, let me go ahead and do that for you now. If you could see, if all of a sudden God opened your eyes spiritually, And you could see what was going on in the heavenlies for this very service that you're sitting in. If you could see the war, the battle that is going on in the heavenlies for the success of this service today. How many of you know the enemy doesn't want anybody who's not a believer to become a believer today? So you know he's going to do everything he can to distract. He's going to cause noises. He's going to cause people to get up and walk in and out. He's going to cause any kind of distraction he can because he doesn't want anybody to come to Jesus today and he's going to war, he's going to get in the sound system, and the media people said amen, and he's going to get in the audio, he's going to get in the video, he's going to get into anything. He's going to mess up the air conditioner. He is going to cause the alarm to go off in the middle of praise and worship. Who, was, who saw that the other Sunday? So y'all thought we had new strobe lights, didn't you? <laughs> and so he's going to do anything he can He's going to cause you to see somebody who hurt your feelings, and now you can't get anything out of the service. He's going to do everything he can. There is a war going on right now. If you could see above our head what was going on for the success of this service, it would blow your mind. We are in a battle. We are in a war. It's my hope and prayer that you've surrendered your life to Christ, but make no mistake about it. Even if you are a Christian, Satan is committed to your defeat. Satan is committed to your destruction. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, as we talk about dealing with the, uh, with the battle, dealing with that battle, dealing with that sin nature, Colossians chapter 1 says that when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, that we're delivered from the kingdom of darkness. So if you've been saved and you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Everybody who knows Christ, say amen. 2 Corinthians 10, and I'm not giving you the verses on this, because what I want you to do is write it down in your notes, and I want you to go home and read it yourself. 2 Corinthians 10 teaches us that before we surrendered our lives to Christ, we were held captive to certain thought patterns. We were held captive to certain ideologies and messed up views and wrong thinking. And so in salvation... Christ literally ripped us from the clutches of Satan, our adversary. So the day that you decided to follow Christ, that is the day Christ took you away from the bondage of the devil. Now, the devil is going to leave you alone, but you're no longer under his thumb. And I've ha- that's good news right there. We're happy about that. So let's talk about how to defeat the enemy in us, the sin nature in us. What's the big long word we've been talking a lot about lately? Sanctification. Sanctification. You want to study that. You want to pray for that. You want to ask God to do that in your life because that is the best way to win your battle with the sin nature that's in you. Galatians 5 and 16, look what it says. It says, Walk. You want to defeat the flesh. You want to overcome the sin nature, that bent toward evil. Then walk and live habitually. That means it needs to be a lifestyle. Not up and down spiritually, up and down with your Bible study, up and down with your prayer life. But consistently, habitually, walk and live habitually in the what? Holy Spirit. That means to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. It means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means to be guided by the Holy Spirit. So, so this is the Amplified Bible. It helps break it down for you. So you can actually take that verse, listen, and you can pray that verse. You can say, Father, I don't know what all of it means. I don't know the depth of your word. I want to study it and know it more, but I know it's true. So, Father, I pray, help me walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Help me, Father, to respond to the Holy Spirit positively. Help me, Father, to be controlled, not by my flesh, but by the Holy Spirit that is in me as a Christian. Help me, Father, to be guided, not by my own desires, but by the Holy Spirit. See how you can pray that into your life? I mean, that would be a great prayer to just, a great verse to just write in your prayer guide, your prayer notes, and pray that over your life every day. You know how long it would take you? Two minutes, and it would make an impact on your life. Now, I've pointed at y'all and preached to y'all. I'm going to get over here and preach to this bunch over here on this side. Y'all thought y'all let you out, didn't you? Walk and live in the Holy Spirit, responsive to, controlled, guided by. Then he's going to tell you what will happen. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. If you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will not satisfy the lust of your flesh, the cravings of your flesh, the internal battle. Of human nature without God. Okay? So, another way to put that is David in Psalm 119 said, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. Another way is in Colossians 6, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Walking in the Spirit means this, and I know we could, and I actually have preached a series on this, but here, here's a brief definition. Walking in the Spirit means you live your life in submission to the Holy Spirit and to the things that are revealed by the Holy Spirit in the Scripture like godly attitudes and godly thoughts and godly words and godly behaviors. You pray that in. But what about the external? What about that battle outside of us? How do we cope with that supernatural evil called the devil? Paul says the way we win that battle is by gearing up, gearing up. So let's go back to Ephesians 6. Let's go back to our text. Let's pick up in verse 13 where we left off a while ago. Everybody with me say amen. amen. Ephesians six thirteen. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. And then he's going to tell us why. That's a little word, so, but it's a big word because he's about to tell you why you need to put on every piece of armor. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able, enabled, made able, because you can't do it without God. So when you put on the armor of God, then you are enabled to what? Resist the enemy who is going to battle against you how often? Every moment of every day. So he says, put on all of God's armor, every piece, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. That means when temptation comes, when he's on your case. How many of y'all ever feel like that he leaves everybody else alone and just focuses on you some days? That is the time of evil. So when you've got on the armor of God, then you're going to be able to resist the enemy. Then after the battle, you will still be what? Standing firm. Let's go on. He says, stand your ground. He wouldn't say stand your ground if you couldn't. He wouldn't say stand your ground if if he couldn't enable you to do that. So he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. We're going to talk about that today. And the body armor, we're going to talk about that today, breastplate, of God's righteousness. And then next week we'll talk about this. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news. What's another word for good news? So that you will be fully prepared. Next slide. In addition to all of these, so in addition to the belt and the breastplate and the shoes, in addition to all these, and we'll talk about this next week too, put on the shield of faith. What does that do? It stops the fiery arrows of the devil. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Next slide. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. How many of y'all believe that's a good word for the Christian right there, buddy? Man, I'm telling you guys, it's packed, it's loaded. We're doing five sermons. We could do 50 sermons on this. 50 sermons. I'm not kidding you, and it would be fresh every time. So let's talk about the belt of truth. You guys ready? Belt of truth, belt of truth. And I know what time it is. It doesn't make any difference, but I do know. So the first piece of armor is the belt of truth. I have to admit that when I first saw the belt of truth, I thought it was talking about Scripture. I remember years ago when I looked at this scripture, I thought, well, the belt of truth's got to be the truth of God's word. So we're supposed to take the word of God and wield it, you know, and and fight with the word of God, fight with the truth. But that's not what it means. And here's why I know that's not what it means. Because later later on, down in verse 14, it talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the what? Word of God. So I know we're going to talk about the word of God later. So this truth, what is it? What is this truth if it isn't the word of God? Well, first of all, let's talk about the fact that Paul was very familiar with Roman soldiers. He had viewed them and observed them and talked about them, noticed them from the time he lived in his hometown of Tarsus and throughout all his travels. The first indication, this is important now, it's important. The first indication that a Roman soldier was preparing for battle is that he would put on a belt or a sash. The belt marked the soldier for battle. When he put that belt on, it, you knew he was going into war. You knew he was about to go into a battle because it was on that belt that he would hang the implements of war. He would hang his weapons on that belt. A sword, a knife, a bow, and some arrows. The soldier also, and this is what we're going to talk about mostly today. The soldier also needed this belt because he wore a tunic. He wore a garment that kind of hung down. And so when he got ready for battle, he would take that tunic, that, the garments that would hang loose, and he would gather them up and stuff them in that belt because he knew as a warrior he needed to be fast, and he needed to be ready, and he didn't need any loose ends holding him back, any loose ends encumbering him, so he would take the loose ends of his garment and tuck it in that belt. He, wa- he knew he had to move with speed. He knew he had to stop the enemy from gaining an advantage over him so he would tuck in those loose ends. When the soldier put on the belt, he was declaring, I am headed into a life-threatening battle, so I'm pulling all my loose ends together. I don't want anything to impede me or my effectiveness as a soldier in winning the battle against my enemy, so I'm going to gather up the loose ends. Very important spiritual lesson right there. The reason we know that the belt let everybody know, it let his fellow soldiers know, it let everybody else know that he was getting ready for battle is because there would really be no need to wear that belt unless you were going into battle. So by wearing it, it marked him for battle. The word truth then in verse 14, what is it speaking of? What is it saying? In verse 14, the word truth means a soldier's truth. In other words, a soldier's integrity as a soldier. A soldier's commitment to the war. When it talks about the belt of truth, it is talking about that soldier's readiness. That he's prepared for battle. That he is alert. That he is not faking being a soldier. He is not faking to his fellow soldiers to his comrades, he's not faking that he's in the battle. When he puts that belt on, it says to them, I'm in the battle. I've got your back. you got my back. We're committed to this. We know it's life-threatening. We know some horrible things could happen, but I am sold out to the battle. So when you put the belt on, that's what it shows. Now, how does that apply to us? Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 for that. Now, here's a word of God to us. Now, we just talked about that soldier girding up or gathering up the loose ends, tucking them in the belt. Look what Peter says for us. Peter says, Feral Hardison Bridge, therefore gird up. Gird up the loins of your mind. Gather up the loose ends. You know, a lot of us, we love Jesus, but we got a a lot of loose ends that need to be gathered up. We got a lot of things in our life that we're just letting hang out there and dangle out there, and we haven't committed those things to God, and we haven't sold those things out to God, and we kind of got our little ticket to heaven. Do y'all understand what I'm saying here? And God's saying, hey, it's time to tie up those loose ends. It's time to get your life in order. Gird up the loins of your mind. Start thinking right. Be sober. This is a serious business we're in. We love to laugh. The Bible even says there's a time to laugh. We practice that here at the bridge, don't we? So that's good, but there's also a time and really a more important time and, and much more time to be what? Sober. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, talking about the coming of the Lord. Here it comes again, verse 14, and here's what what it means to gather up the loose ends. As what? Being obedient. So we're evaluating our life this morning and saying, God, am I obedient? Really? I mean, really am I obedient? I mean, am I really obedient to you? Do I hear your voice? Do I feel your, your guidance in my life? And then when I do hear your voice and I do sense your guidance, am I obeying that? Am I following that? As obedient children, here it comes, not conforming yourselves to the former lust. Somebody say amen. You know what I see a lot in church? I see a lot of people conforming themselves to their former lust and still saying I'm a Christian. Did I just say that out loud? I'm preaching now. You know what? We want power, but we don't want the purity. Can I say this to you? You can't have power without purity. It's time to clean it up, y'all. It's time to clean it up. Not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. For you as a believer, here's what gearing up with the belt of truth communicates. It says to your fellow believers, I ain't playing. I'm going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. The joy of the Lord is going to flow out of me. But boy, when it comes time for battle, I'm on. You can count on me. See, my fellow believers know they can count on me as a warrior. They need to know, Pastor Farrell will fight for me. I need to know you will fight for me. I need to know you've got that belt of integrity on. That you're not just saying you're a Christian. You're not just saying you're committed to God. But when the heat is on, you're ready to go. You're ready to stand there with me. Back to back, both of us with our sword out. Back to back, circling around. Ready to fight for each other. Ready to battle the enemy. And the people of the bridge said... It means you're not playing games. You're seriously committed. Let me just give you some things about the belt of truth. When it says gird up, that's for us. That's us. That's Peter saying to us, you are like a soldier. Gird up the loose ends. Tuck them in. Secure all those loose ends. Gather them in. Quit letting all that hang out there and encumber you and hold you back and make you not as quick and not as effective as a soldier. The belt of truth speaks of genuineness, sincerity as a follower of Jesus and as a soldier in his army. The belt of truth speaks of truthfulness as a Christian. It speaks of integrity. It speaks of a person's dedication to Christ as a warrior and dedication to their fellow believer. The belt of truth says, I am not an unprepared warrior. I am a prepared warrior. I am ready. The belt of truth says, we've tied up the loose ends of our life. We've put on the sash that holds our weapons, and we are marked as a soldier. Got, we're a soldier, and we've gone public with it. We have a heart for the battle. We've, I, love this, I love this statement. We've counted the cost of the battle, and there's no hesitation knowing what it could cost us. Let me say that again. A real sold-out soldier says, I've counted the cost of the battle and I'm all in. You can count on me. Now you who are here, let me just ask a a question. How many of you are currently in the military? Will you just raise your hand? Let me see you. Can we just give it up for our military people? (laughs) How many of you have been in the military in the past. How many of you? Can we give it up for these guys and gals? You need to know when you're going into a battle that everybody's counted the cost and everybody's in. And everybody's sold out and everybody's genuine and everybody's real. That belt of integrity, that belt of truth. And why is this important? Because you will never win the daily spiritual battles against your well-equipped, powerful enemy unless you are seriously committed to the spiritual victory. You can't wing it. You can't wing it as a soldier. You can't wing it as a Christian. You can't, listen, listen, and I I know this is too much for some people, but it's just the truth. Casual Christianity, don't cut it. You got to be, you got to be sold out. You got to be intentional. Oh, yeah, man, I'll join your church out there at the bridge. Sure, what am I going to do? I'll be glad to join. Y'all have food? Yeah, I'm there. I mean, we treat being a Christian so casual. You can't wing it. If you wing it, if you are not intentional in your Christian life, you will be a consistent loser. If you're content to have loose sins in your life, you say, what do you mean loose sins? Little sins. Little sins that maybe... You used to stay away from them. You've let them creep back into your life. Can I preach like this? Little sins you've let back into your life and, and your infrequent interest in prayer. You used to be a prayer warrior. Now you almost never pray. The only time you worship is when you come and there's band and lights and all that and then you'll worship. You, you don't do any personal worship. You don't do any private worship. You have very little interest in it. These are the loose ends. You you, you sort of have a, a feeling of indifference towards spiritual growth. You're not growing. You're not developing. You're not becoming a better Christian, a stronger Christian, a deeper Christian. If you're content with your small understanding of the Scripture, if you're content with your small understanding of the greatness of God, then that is loose ends in your life, and you are encumbered by those things. You are an encumbered soldier. You're not prepared for the battle, and you should get ready to be defeated. Let me use the language of Paul in Hebrews 12 and 1 when he said, if you're going to run the race, lay aside every weight that besets you, that encumbers you. Get rid of it. Get rid of the loose ends so you can run with freedom. How many of you have ever seen somebody run in competition at the Olympics, the 100-yard dash with boots and an overcoat on? Anybody? Get rid of that. Anything that holds you back, anything that encumbers you, get it out of your life. In Bible times, there were un, um, dishonest, unscrupulous marble dealers. And they would take inferior marble, had cracks in it and holes in it. And they would take the wax from the beehive and they would fill those cracks in on that marble, on that inferior marble. And they would polish it. And it would look like top grade, top shelf marble. And they would get the top price for it, even though it was a very inferior grade. Listen to me. But when the heat was on, when the heat came out, the wax ran down. And that marble was exposed for what it really was i got to tell you guys, as we wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to return back to this earth, some people are going to be exposed because the heat is rising. Y'all watching the news? The heat on Christians is rising. And those people who have filled in their lives with wax saying, I'm an awesome Christian. I look like him. I talk like him. When the heat rises, they'll be exposed. I'm talking, Listen. I'm talking about sincerity, genuineness. I'm talking about integrity as a child of God. As a matter of fact, the the marble dealers who were honest, that's how they advertised their marble back then. They They would say, our marble is sincere. It is without beeswax. So next time you're praying, I want you to look up to heaven and go, God, get all the beeswax out of my life. Amen? I want to be real. I, wanna, I don't want to just appear to be a great soldier, appear to be a great Christian. I want it to be real. And the people of the bridge said, so as a soldier in God's army, we got we to gotta do what God said. How badly do you want to win? Most Christians, if not most, many Christians today lose the spiritual battles. And you know why they lose them? Because they really don't care about winning. They're really not that excited about winning. Can I tell you that indifference equals defeat as a Christian? Casual Christianity results in wasted opportunities for usefulness and joy and victory. Look at 2 Timothy 2 and 3. This is Paul, the old preacher, talking to Timothy, the young preacher. He says, let me be honest with you, young man. You're going to suffer hardship with me. But I'm telling you, be willing to suffer hardship with me as a what? Come on, read the yellow." a good soldier of who not the bridge you're not a soldier of the bridge you're not one of Pharaoh Hardison's soldiers he's our captain and we're all his soldiers and we're going to and if you're a good soldier you're going to what i know that's hard to say we don't like to say that part but it's true no soldier in active service entangles himself, loose ends, entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one, capital O, talking about God, who enlisted him as a soldier. That's a good word right there. That's you. God's talking about you right there. Good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, you, you guys in the military, nobody joins the military and then the military comes to you and says, uh Hey, man, uh, thanks for joining. Um, if you could work it into your week next week, we're going to try to get some training in. And If you could kind of look at your schedule this week, uh, can, you think you might be able to make it to that training? How many of you in the military have ever had the military communicate with you like that? They own you. They own you, don't they? You had them communicate with you like that, really? <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, I'm going to join that army. Um, so how many of you, the, the, the military, would say to you, Hey, man, uh, we just found out some terror, terrorists are pouring into our country. And, and hey, dude, uh, uh, you know, you just joined and everything. And, uh, and, and they're planning a major attack here in the United States in the next few days. And, you know, if you're, if you're uh, not busy, could you come and help us out? Because we're going to be fighting them. Are you kidding me? They're not going to talk to you like that. And, by the way, if it's convenient for you, uh, could you wear that uniform? we gave you? Oh, and that gear, you know all that gear we gave you? If you don't mind, I know it's heavy, I know it's heavy, but do you mind putting that on and wearing that because we're gonna be in a bat. They don't talk to you like that. They tell you, you gotta be committed. And let me tell you something, the church is like that. We're like that, God has said that to us. You know what God's saying to us here this morning? He's saying, strap it on. He's saying, hey Bridge, you're in a war. Hey, Pastor Farrell, hey, staff at bridge, hey, elders of the bridge, hey, ministry directors of the bridge, you had not even been in the war you're gonna be in before I get back. The heat's gonna rise before I get back. You better strap it on, baby. You better gird it up. You better gather up those loose ends of your life and pull it together, be intentional. God's saying to us this morning, you're a warrior And you go to battle because that's who you are. Casual soldiers lose. You got to be committed to obedience. You got to be committed to the fight, the fight of the enemy. And you got to be committed to the power of Christ to win over the enemy. You got to be committed no matter what it's going to cost you. You got to be committed because so much is at stake. Now, let me just mention briefly, I wanted to spend most of my time on the belt of truth. Let me just mention briefly the breastplate of righteousness. Here's what Paul is saying to us here. He's saying you got to be sincere, you got to be committed, you got to be dedicated, but you've also got to back that up with a righteous life. You got to back that up by living holy. Here we go. We're talking about sanctification again. We're talking about evaluating our life, guys. Let me just repeat myself. There is no power without purity. I want that's like saying I want the anointing. I want the weapons. I want the power of God. We talked about that word unction. I want the unction of the Holy Spirit. I want that. I want that cutting edge in my ministry. Now I'm not going to live so holy. I'm not going to really live every day you know, like I think you want me to live, but I'd still like to have that power in my life. Listen, listen, it ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. He's saying right here, if you want to be an overcomer, if you want to be victorious in battle, you have to put on the breastplate of what? Righteousness, righteousness. No Roman soldier would would have thought of going into battle without a breastplate because it covered the most vulnerable parts of his body. He wouldn't think of going into battle without that. See, that's what righteousness does for us. There's two kinds of righteousness. There's imparted righteousness. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, He imparts his righteousness to you. You remember us talking about that? Remember me talking to you about how when you got saved, it wasn't your righteousness that God sees now, but it's the righteousness of his Son on you? Do you remember that teaching? Say yes, please say yes. That's imparted righteousness. That's imputed righteousness. That is righteousness that was given to you when you got saved. It is a gift. But then there's another righteousness that God tells us that we are to demonstrate. He says, I'm going to give you some righteousness. I'm going to impart righteousness to you, but then I want you to live righteously. I want you to demonstrate righteousness. He goes on and he talks about that in Philippians 2.12. Let's read it. Philippians 2.12. So then, my beloved, so he's talking to Christians here, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, here it comes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what is Paul saying there? Paul is saying if you expect to go into battle, you have to be ready, you have to be committed, you have to be a man of integrity. We've already talked about that. You have to be dedicated and devoted as a soldier and understanding that Uh, You're a soldier. You get your loose ends pulled together. We talked about that. But then he says, and don't go into battle spiritually unless you are obeying God, unless you are living righteously in your life. There's a story in the Bible about these people who were not living righteously, and they saw in the book of Acts some people operating in the Holy Spirit, and they thought, well, we're just going to do the same thing. So they saw these men of God casting a demon out of somebody, and they thought that was the coolest thing they'd ever seen. And so they said, well, we're going to do that. So they found a demon-possessed guy, and they said, so they just copied what they saw the Christians do. And they said, in the name of the guy they just mentioned over there, Jesus, in his name, come out. And the Bible says that the demon that was in that guy woke up and kicked their rear end. It's right there in the Bible. That's the very words used right there in the Bible. Kicked their rear, tore all their clothes off, and sent them running naked down the street. Now, that's in your Bible. You say, man, I'm finding that today. I'm finding that today. It's in there. It's in the book of Acts. Now, look, here's what I'm saying. You can't fight spiritual battles if you're not close to the captain. You can't fight spiritual battles. You can't engage yourself in some spiritual warfare if you're a weak person of God, a weak Christian. As a matter of fact, I would warn you against it. When you go into spiritual warfare, you better make sure you're girded up. You better make sure it's strapped on. And you better make sure you're living righteously. Now let me finish with this word right here to the modern church today. In the book of Romans chapter 13, look what it says. Besides this, you know the time. You guys know the time we're living in. Sometimes we try not to think about it, but you see this thing coming up, coming to an end, don't you? You see this thing getting wrapped up? It's getting wrapped up. You know the time that the hour has come for you to what? Come on, we're going to do that again because that's, that's sad right there. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for us here at the bridge to what? Wake up, baby. It's time to wake up from our sleep. For salvation, that means Jesus coming, that's our salvation. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us cast off that old life and let us put on the armor of what? Start living pure. This is the word. I know this is a popular preaching. This isn't preaching that that maybe draws the crowds, but I'm telling you how to live victoriously in these last days. We have got to cast off the darkness and we've got to put on the armor of light. And the bridge said, next slide, let us walk properly. That means live lifestyle. Let us live properly as in the daytime, not And look, when I read this, I thought, man, this could have been written for our day today because just about everywhere you look is all this sexuality and and all this stuff about... Men and men and women and women, and and all this stuff of people getting married, men getting married, women getting married. It's all about sensuality. It's all about sexuality. He says, Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on what? Put on the Lord. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the to gratify its desires. So Paul is saying, man, we're closer to the end than you think. It's time to behave properly. It's time to stop carousing and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and sensuality. It's time for you to start quarreling and striving with one another And having these petty jealousies. And put on righteousness. And you put on righteousness when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other righteousness. That's the only true righteousness. So today, we see the belt of truth which speaks of our truth. Our integrity as a soldier. We see the breastplate of righteousness. Living pure. Next week. We'll talk about shoes and we'll talk about the shield put on the armor of God. We're in a war. We're in a battle. Let's all stand together.